Hello, everybody, and I hope you guys are having a great new year, despite all of the news coming out, and it's only the 8th of January. Um, this was a disappointing end to the Dolphins season, a sour way to end, but regardless, there was a lot of improvements from 2019. However, there are more questions than answers, and we're going to find out throughout this offseason through free agency, through draft, and through OTAs as well. Today, we have a special guest, and he's back again, guys. I know you loved him. Brandon, introduce him. Drum roll, please. So our special guest for tonight is WPLG, uh, Will Manso. How you What's doing, up, Will? I'm good, man. It's good to be on again. It's good to be on. A happy New Year to you guys. We can still say that. Happy New Year. It's yeah. A, it's yeah. A, it Thank is a happy you. new year, hopefully, to some. It's been, a, like you said, it's been a, a strange uh, week in the world. And obviously, we're here to talk a lot of sports, too. But, uh, you know, given the Dolphins and the season, a lot to discuss. So it's been a little, a little wild of a week, I guess. Yeah, it, uh, it has been, especially uh, with this whole offensive coordinator news. At first, we all thought Chan Gailey was fired. And then we find out it's a fake Adam Schefter Twitter account. And ESPN runs with the story. And then the Dolphins come out and sit, Dolphins and Brian Flores come out in a presser and basically say, oh, we expect everybody back, including Chan Gailey. And then, I, I didn't expect <laughs> I said, I, I've said all along, I did not expect Chan to come back, but I also didn't expect Brian Flores to come out and throw him under the bus, you know, in his final press conference and say, hey, you know, great season, Chan sucked, we're going to get rid of him or we're going to ask him to move on. And, you know, you knew that wasn't going to happen. So the way they did it was kind of to finesse it. Uh, but in the end, it's the right move, guys. I don't think Chan's offense fit with Tua, and it, I don't think it worked. And I think, you know, they need to find somebody that fits more to Tua's skill set. Yeah, and, you know, I came out with an article saying, you know, the worst thing will happen is we'll have Chan just draft some playmakers, get some free agents in the offseason, and evaluate the offense from there. Mm -hmm. So now that we are going to have a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive line coordinator with Marion Hobby leaving. Who would you see as the offensive coordinator for next season? Who are your top four or five picks? I mean, look, I'd love to give you a list of guys that, from the outside, but I really think this is the kind of thing that they look at internally. I wonder if Brian Ford is looking at Godsey and he's looking at these guys that from within that, that they like um, offensively. Because I don't – here's the thing. The one thing you don't want to do to a young quarterback is give him a new coordinator, a new system every year. And obviously next year it is not going to be Chan Gailey's system. But you would like for him to be at least comfortable and familiar. So when you know you have you have fans talking about Ken Dorsey, you know, the former UF quarterback who's now in Buffalo, about him being a guy that look, I would love a guy like that to come here. I just don't know if that is the direction that Brian Flores is thinking. I really think Brian Flores is is the kind of guy that he he has obviously look, he, he could go out from outside and get somebody like that. But I, I think internally, when they look at the way this, this season was, and it, it was such a weird season, no off-season programs, no preseason games. Tua got thrown into the fire in, in a playoff race and played nine games, and I thought for the most part was fine. I mean, it wasn't great, but I thought you saw some things in enough to, to, to make you think that he could be a good quarterback and a, and a special quarterback in the NFL. But what we also saw is that it didn't work with Changeli's offense. That dink and dunk that he tried with Tua was just not the answer. So the direction they go has to use his skill set. It has to. It has to be 
where Tua makes quick decisions and works that quick and progress through his reads and take a shot now and then and really let him get in rhythm. And I don't think it's something he ever did in Changeli's offense. Other than, you know, the Arizona game, he looked great. But you didn't see enough of that during the course of his nine games. And it is definitely going to be a fit in the glove for Tua and the offense as well. There's a couple candidates out there. You know, you have names like Bill O'Brien, who should be inducted yeah. into the the Dolphins uh, ring of honor just because we all know why. We have Anthony, Anthony Lynn, possibly Pete Carmichael Jr. as well from the New Orleans Saints. I think that would be a solid, solid pickup. I think those are names you have to look at. You know, I think those are names you, 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 that all teams that are looking for offensive coordinator, those are kind of the usual suspects. I just don't know if Brian Flores is thinking that that's the direction he wants to go from the outside. Again, if one of those guys fits into what he envisions in Tua and they want that opportunity, I think it's a good spot to be because you know as an offensive coordinator, you're coming to a young quarterback who's got a nice skill set. You're coming to a team that has a lot of assets that can add some playmakers. You talked about adding playmakers with Chan. Whether Chan's not here anymore, it doesn't matter. They're still going to add playmakers. So I, I think, you know, whoever in the direction they go in, you are in a position where you can have a really good offense quickly. As bad as this offense was this year and the lack of consistency and playmaking, it could change in a year. It really can. This could be a much better offense next year with a new coordinator, those assets, and two over the year under his belt. So the Dolphins season didn't really end – uh, the way that that all that all of us had hoped, but looking forward to uh, Monday night, Ohio State and Alabama for college football's greatest prize. Will I want to ask you, what what exactly do you do you see playing out, and most and most importantly, what did you see out of quarterback Justin Fields in an, an impressive win that I thought versus uh, Clemson? Yeah, oh, I mean, look, the kid threw six touchdown passes and. I think he had – there was a lot of people that maybe felt that uh, Justin Fields was like a one-read guy or like a system quarterback. Obviously, the talent's there. I'm not talking about the talent, but maybe in his ability as a quarterback. And you read a lot of that, and I, I never really understood why. It's unfair sometimes because guys get labeled to the system or to previous quarterbacks. Like people, oh, that's just another Dwayne Haskins. Look, Dwayne Haskins has struggled in the NFL. He's out of a job. To me, it never works that way. Every guy is his own individual, even if they went to the same school. I like Justin Fields since the day I saw him play. He's got a strong arm. He's obviously mobile. He's smart. I think he's more than a one-read quarterback. The problem is when you play at a school like Ohio State, where you have so much talent around you, in Alabama and these schools, you don't really don't have to go beyond your first read because that guy's wide open because he's so good. He's beating the other guy. So I was so impressed with what he did in that game and the six touchdowns, and I'm looking forward to it. But when I look at that game Monday, though, Alabama's a juggernaut, guys. Alabama is a machine. When you look at what they have, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, now Mac Jones, who I think is going to be a solid NFL quarterback, and the playmakers that they have, and Harrison running back, and the defense, that's, a, that's just a sick team. And, you know, and if Waddle comes back, you know, if he's able to play in that game, and, and I don't know how you stop that machine. As good as Ohio State looked in that game against Clemson, uh, Alabama is just a scary team, as they are most years, but this year with that talent level. How about the fact that last year Alabama had Devontae Smith and, you know, and Ruggs and, and Waddle, who we just mentioned, and Jerry Judy and these and players. You think about, oh, how, how the hell did they get so many weapons? My God, that's like a, a potential Pro Bowl team of weapons. So It's that's, the that's Nick Saban touch. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. 
And as you said, I mean, Justin Fields was absolutely spectacular against the Clemson Tigers, and nobody would have thought of it. I mean, he threw two touchdowns to possibly the most underrated wide receiver in this class, Chris Olave. He mm-hmm. threw three touchdowns to unlikely people, the tight ends, which they haven't par- particularly used as well. And they kept the Tigers' defense off balance. I mean, you could see... Ben Skalski, the linebacker at Clemson, who was then taken off after the first half for targeting, he was confused. He was like, oh, my God, where are these players lining up? You know, they're not even getting set into their base defense because they were mixing up tempos so much. And another thing which may be an advantage to Ohio State against Alabama is the way their offense lineups. So for the technical and X and O geeks out there, this all comes down to wide receiver formation because they pass the ball a lot, even though they have a stout running game. Their strength is in the passing game, and it's usually on the same side of the field field that the ball is hashed on. Compared to the NFL, the college football places his ball wherever the ball stopped. So if a wide receiver is a little bit more to the right stopping the ball, the ball is going to go to the right. If it's more to the left, it's going to go more to the left. And in that case, what the play call is they put more guys either three by one or two by two set into that condensed space in the field and it's called formation in boundary using that formation and boundary they are able to confuse defenders in space however alabama nick saban as good as he is he has already figured it out because he's seen it and has included to attack the formation in, the formation in his base defense of 4-2-5, typically with two linebackers, the 4-2-5 line of formation. So I think that will be a matchup to watch out for. Um, will, as you said, with Alabama's wide receivers, you have Mac Wilson, kind of like a John Stockton of, of college football. He's super talented. Do you see Devonta Smith and John Mechie absolutely tearing apart this Ohio State secondary with a possibility of Waddle coming back? You know, obviously a, a healthy jail of Waddle changes a lot of things. People forget, I think, how good he was last year. Um, yeah, he was as good as Devontae Smith. I mean, as far as NFL prospects go, they're both top 10 prospects. I mean, it's not like – I think we forget about that because Waddle had the foot injury. But the reality is this – they they have so many weapons. It's just hard to pick your poison. You know, we haven't talked about Najee Harris and what he can do as a running back. And and look, we saw that incredible leap that he had over the player, over the defender at Notre Dame. I mean, that's incredible. But he's much more than that too. He's just a great running back. So I do think that the weapons of Alabama and their ability uh, is it's just tough. It's just tough to think that 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 even as good as Justin Fields is, that they'll have enough to keep up with Alabama over the course of four quarters. But Look, I think a lot of people thought they wouldn't be able to keep up with Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, and they did. Not only did they, but they had—I mean, he had six touchdowns, and they ran through Clemson. So uh, I think it's gonna be a fun game. I can't wait. I'm gonna be there on Monday night. I, it's actually nice to think that I can go to a game, get out of my house, <laughs> you know, get out of my house and go to an actual game in comfort. So <laughs> the fact that it's in Miami is nice. So I'm looking forward to it Monday night. I, at least you don't have to worry about traffic, too. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> yeah. Get there, get there, don't have to worry about 65,000 people like the Super Bowl right. last year, you know. So, um, with the uh, New York Jets obviously looking for a uh, new possible head head coach now, do you possibly see Justin Fields 
getting drafted to New York with the second over, overall pick? Or how do you see that that really playing out? Man, that's a good question, Brandon, because I, I, I think I, – I don't know if I'm sold on Sam Darnold, but I think the Jets still haven't given up on Sam Darnold. I think there's still, there's still a belief there that with the right people around them – and look, he has at times shown the ability – but he hasn't shown it enough, and then he gets hurt, and then he comes back and he struggles, and then he shows it for a game, and he's just been so hot and cold. I don't, I don't personally think he's shown enough to think like, hey, he's definitely the franchise guy. So when you have the second overall pick, it's tempting to just go ahead and take a quarterback you like, and whether that be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, if they think right. the kid at BYU is could be the, this next you know superstar player in the way he's got a strong arm and very mobile and moves in the pocket, throws on the run, got a little Mahomes in him, and everybody's looking for the next Patrick Mahomes, but he's the kind of guy that can fling it on the run. Uh, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes, let's face it. I mean, that's, that's, that's asking a lot. But I, I would expect the Jets have to at least look into getting a quarterback. I don't know if they're just sold on Sam Darnold uh, that they just will say, okay, we're going to build pieces around them and build with them. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't, but right. we'll see if the Jets decide that that's the direction they go. Because to me, Justin Fields, or if you like Zach Wilson, would be pretty damn enticing to take at number two. Brandon's actually teasing a little bit of what's coming out for the next week. And, uh, Finn Maniacs listeners, if you're uh, listening on to this, I'll be coming out with a little Justin Fields evaluation coming up next week. So be on the lookout for that. And, Will, I want to ask you, Dylan Moses hasn't done that well compared to last season in the linebacker mm-hmm. spot at Alabama. Usually Alabama churns out linebackers year after year after year. Mm-hmm. He struggled against – the Gators tight ends, uh, specifically Kyle Pitts. And Ohio State could look to get their tight ends involved in this game early. Do you think we will see a 2019 Dylan Moses this game? So what, Dylan Moses has disappointed. And you've seen his stock in the draft kind of fall. I mean, he's a guy that was projected as definite first-round pick. I, I'm not sure how many people feel that way as a strong first-round pick or not, as if you would have going into the season. Uh, but I, I think to your point on Kyle Pitts, Listen, everybody struggles against Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be potentially a top 10 player in this upcoming draft. I mean, he's that good. What? As a tight you say top guy. 10? He could be a top 10 guy. Yeah, Kyle he was Pitts easily the best 10. tight end for e- easily. I mean, the thing is, in the league, the way tight ends are used now, the way you see a Darren Waller, like with the Raiders, look at what he, what he does with the Raiders. I mean, he, phenomenal. Kyle Pitts is that kind of guy with his size and speed combination. I think he'll be at least the top 20 pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if some team that needs a tight end says, heck yeah, man, let's get this playmaker. So that's number one. But to the point of Dylan Moses, uh, yeah, sure, you look at the film, you look to attack. I still think he's a damn good player. I think he has struggled. There's a lot this season that's weird. With the, again, with the short, with the, with the, with the offseason being the way it was and the lack of preparation, and, you know, when you get to the fall camp and the things they've had to do, and they had certainly week in and week out of games and the COVID protocols, I can't imagine that these kids haven't been affected a bit by it, and maybe he has, but I still think the talent's there. But if you're Ohio State, look, they're tight ends you mentioned. They played well against in, in the game against Clemson. I think that there'll have to be weapons there. Any way you can keep the ball away from Alabama's offense and move the ball down the field, you figure out how to do because I think that's going to be a key to this game. If you start getting a shootout against Alabama and it becomes where you have to score 42, 45 points, right. that's going to a lot for Ohio State to try to keep up with. And, 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 and that's what I was kind of trying to ask you next. You know, for, for Monday night's game, do you see it more as if a, a close deep, like a close defensive battle? Or do you see a 45-42, maybe even, even one team cr- cracking 50 points? How do you necessarily see that playing out? 
I think I can't expect a defensive battle because it's just too much offense. It's just too much offense. And, and, you know, these kind of games are weird because sometimes in the spotlight games, teams get off the slow starts in the first, second quarter, and it's like 7-7, seven, seven, you know, midway through the second. But then I think the energy of, of the excitement kind of goes away, and then it just becomes football. I would expect we're going to see, you know, a game in the 30s. I, I don't see how both teams wouldn't get in that range, that 34-28 type of game, 31-28, 35-31, you know, that type of game. I don't think we're going to see like a 17-14, a 21-17 game, just because, again, these offenses are so explosive. And if there was a blowout in this game, I would expect that it's Alabama that could be the team that wins, you know, 42-21 type score. You know what I mean? I'm just throwing numbers yeah, out right. there. But the, the blowout kind of game, I think you'd have to think is more to Alabama's favor because their defense is good and they had those playmakers we talked about. That's right. And Vegas is setting the line at uh, seven and a half towards Alabama. And, you know, in national championship games in which Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide have won, they've won two titles by a combined eight points. So I'm mm-hmm. expecting a highly contested battle. And it's going yeah. to be going to be up to the team who has the ball last to score and make the play. Now, if the ball is in Ohio State's hands, do you think the Buckeyes will win it? Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a tough one because it depends how the, you know, the flow of the game. I think Justin Fields, I would trust Justin Fields on a big drive. You know, late, again, he showed it. I think he, he silenced a lot of people, a lot of critics if there are out there. But I do think that, you know, he's got to start off well early because as talented as he is, these are the kind of games that the game can get away from you quickly if you don't start off well. And if Justin Fields early on throws an early, tur- an early interception or early fumble, early turnover, they don't get the rhythm going – then you're playing catch up, or you're playing where you know you're you don't have that advantage of being able to run and duel and balance that offense. It becomes an issue. But if he has the ball in his hands in the final moments, heck yeah, I trust that Justin Fields can go down the field and make a play. Man, that kid is special, and he's got weapons. And we saw what he could do. We saw it all year. We saw you know this kid is special, man. He's a, he's a damn good young quarterback. We saw it last year. We saw it this year. Um, and if it's to that point, I would love it because that means it's one heck of a game. What do you necessarily see, Will, about Miami's quarterback situation? I mean, obviously, Brian, Brian Flores and even Chris, uh, the Miami GM, went on air this week and said, you know, two is going to be our, our, our starter into uh, 2021. But do you possibly see maybe even a Justin Fields? Or a, if Miami has – because Miami obviously has two first-round draft picks, right? So mm-hmm. with the number three pick, how do you necessarily see that domino falling out? I don't think they'll take a quarterback at three, guys. I don't. I think they took two of last year at number five with the idea that he's their quarterback in the future. And that just because you take a guy at five doesn't mean that he has to be your quarterback for 10 years. You can cut bait with him if he doesn't work out. But I don't think after one year. I don't think that's the Dolphins' plan. I don't think there's anything they saw this year with, again, we talked about Chan's offense. They didn't really fit to a – they didn't have playmakers. The Dolphins' receivers had some of the worst separation in the NFL. Uh, they need playmakers. They do. They need a Devontae Smith. They need a Jamar Chase. They need one of those guys. They need a player of that caliber to stretch the, the offense and give the ability to field to then mix in Devontae Parker, with, you know, Devontae on the slants, the plays he can make, and Shaquem Grant get loose, and hopefully Preston Williams is healthy next year and be able to play well. To me, you don't take a three now. I think you use that spot to take a playmaker or use it as leverage to the teams that will want to draft up and take a quarterback to maybe slip down to six or seven and get an extra couple picks somewhere early in the draft or in future drafts. I think you use that to your to your leverage. But there's no way that, to me, the Dolphins take a quarterback at three. I don't think they're in the play for no. Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I just don't and see that And, you happen. know, as you said, if Justin Fields plays well and the Jets – 
stick with Sam Darnold. That number three pick is trade bait, and that is massive, massive leverage for the Dolphins. And if they do do that, okay, they trade back. What three playmakers do you see the Dolphins picking? I mean, look, the three to me are the three I think to everybody. Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Bottle. Those are the three guys to me that I think the Dolphins have to leave this draft with one of those three players. I do. I, I, when you look at it, look, there's free agency. There's a lot of wide receivers in free agency this year. I would expect the Dolphins may be aggressive in free agency and go after one of these big free agents. Allen Robinson, the guy that we talked a while about, uh, he's a free agent. He's a damn good player on the Bears. But to me in the draft, they need a young playmaker. And those three I just mentioned, we saw Devontae win the Heisman. We're going to see him on Monday with Sue Jalen Waddle, what he could do last year and coming back from a foot injury this year, but hopefully he's himself. And Jamar Chase, let's not forget, he was the best wide receiver in the country last year. Uh, people forget because he opted out, but he's a special player. I think the Dolphins have to leave this draft with one of those guys on their roster. Now, do you see them, you know, staying put at number three and picking up Panay Sowell? Uh, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't be mad if they did. I, I know Dolphin fans and most football fans find offensive linemen boring, you know? Like, you guys know I'm a Giants fan. Last year they took Andrew oh, yeah. Thomas. Yeah, Andrew Thomas ended problem. up developing well. Like, he started really poorly. But by the end of the year, last five, six weeks, he was excellent. They've got their right tackle for the future. Like, I, I left him with their left tackle for the future. So when you look at that, I said to myself, I know it was a boring pick, but it's nice to know that your, protect, your quarterback's protected on the blind side, hopefully for the next five, ten years. So you take a guy like Sewell, you know, I wouldn't be mad. I know Dolphin fans would be a little ticked off because they want playmakers. But I do think that that position is a position of leverage where they can maybe trade down to the 6-7 range, get one of those receivers, and get more picks later. And you can address the offensive line in another area, whether it's with pick 18 or an early pick in the a second round or another pick that you acquire in some sort of trade. Will Manzo is putting on the Chris Greer general manager hat tonight, guys. I've, hi, I have hi. not seen this. I have not seen this on Local Ted News ever, okay? This is a hi. first for me. <laughs> this is a first for me. Okay, before we go, score prediction. Will. Yeah, we have to do we have to do score predictions for for the big for the big game on Monday night. I will, you know, only because I threw it out there earlier. I will say Bama thirty five, Ohio State thirty one. I'll go with that. Bama thirty five, Ohio State thirty. And it goes to your. You said they won by eight points the last two games. National titles. That's four point difference. There you go. I'll give you a four point spread. Thirty five. Uh-huh. There you go. Will. Let's go with that. <laughs> All right, Brandon, what about you, man? Come on. All right, so I honestly, and I mean to, I definitely agree with what, uh, with what Will had said about both offenses being, I mean, I don't see, I honestly see, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama or Ohio State craps 40 points. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to have to lean towards Bama. And that's just, and that's just because, you know, Nick Saban experience is above notch and uh, quarterback Matt Jones and just the old, just, yeah. I mean, they're scoring over 44 points a game. And, you know, if we wanted to speak about the, uh, college, the college playoff, I believe that Notre Dame really shouldn't even be in there. I, I, I thought that was – I didn't really think that was, you know, but hey. But at the end of the day, I'm going to probably lean towards Bama. So I'm going to go Alabama. I'm going to go Alabama 41, Ohio State 30. Wow. You know what? Okay. I'm so feeling a little... ball game, 71 total points. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go – and I think, and another bold prediction for Will and Assam, Jalen Waddle plays. Oh, I would love to see that. I would love, listen. I'm a Giants fan. I want Jalen Waddle at 11. I want him to somehow last to 11. I hey, you want Devonta Smith? Too. Too. How did you feel about 
before the Psalm gives his score prediction, how do you feel about Philly resting Carson um, uh, Jalen Hurts? Oh, no, oh, don't man. do that. He's going to shout no, explosives. I, 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 I didn't want to do was, it, but I had to do it. I know. I was pissed because I was like, you know, it just stinks that, that the integrity of the game and they had a chance, but the reality is the Giants won six games. They kept nobody to blame but themselves. It's one thing if it was like the Dolphins. If the Giants were 10 and 6 like the Dolphins and then that happened, I'd be so mad because I'm like, man, they won 10 games. They had a great year and this right. crap happens. The Giants were 6 and 10. They, you know, while what the Eagles did was total BS, the reality is the Giants have no one to blame but themselves. They should have won one more game. Win one more game and they don't have to worry about all that stuff, you know? Look right. at Will, man. He passed the swear check today. He passed the swear check today. I've always got a little. Uh, I, I listen. My my. I told you. I may have told you guys a story or not. One of the first lessons I learned at UN, my professor said. I said, "What what should you teach me?" He had worked in the business a long time, and he said, "Never curse around a live mic. That's all you have to know." And since that day, you know, twenty four years ago, I've never cursed around a live mic. So that's great, man. I, You're gonna I have the the FCC. On your behind, okay? <laughs> I unmuted yes. everybody. No cursing. Family show. <laughs> See, Jason's in here. He's in here. Okay. I'm going to go spicy, okay? And okay. Dolphins fans, I'm siding with Vegas. I'm going 42-35 Alabama. Mac Jones dishes it to Najee Harris for the game-winning touchdown. And that's, I yep. like it. I'm, I'm going for it. And Dolphins fans, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the game. And don't forget, it's happening right here in Miami. As always, guys, fins up.